record to the computer. Right, okay, so here we go again. Pop that one down there. Share.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that indeed, Lord, great is your faithfulness to us. And Lord, this morning as we join in our different homes all over Nuneaton and wherever uh, people are, Lord, that we join and say, Lord, this morning we love you, we worship you, and we want to serve you. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us this opportunity, that, Lord, that even though that this pandemic is around, Lord, that you have kept us, that you have been faithful to us, and that we have met like this. It's not the same, Lord, but you are the same, and you meet with each one of us in our homes. Thank you. Thank you for the security that we have in you that we know, Lord, that you love us. You love us with an everlasting love. And that is what is sustaining us, Lord, through this time. Would you just do this, Lord, to uh, all the churches that as they're meeting in their different forms, different ways where churches are opening today, services are different, but Lord, that you would meet each one. And Lord, we just pray that through all of this, when we get back together, we will see a growth in the church. We will see people that are willing to come and listen to your word. Lord, that is the desire of our hearts that throughout all of this, you would be glorified, that you would bring your church and grow your church, that you'd grow all the churches. Thank you for the churches in Nuneaton that are meeting in different forms, Lord, but that they're all meeting and keeping all together. Thank you, Lord. It was true this morning. Great is your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for um, our little church, Lord, and we just pray that for each one, as John and Jill are away right now, we pray that you will bless them, that you will refresh them, and that they will have a great week, that they can spend time together and with you. And that, Lord, they'll come back refreshed and, and tell us all about it. We just thank you, Lord, that times like this, Lord, we need to have a little stop and just refresh ourselves. So we just thank you for that. We do pray, Lord, for those that need you. We thank you that Kath is here this morning. And we ask, Lord, would you just strengthen all of her muscles that she will be able to get up and walk and have her movement, Lord, and that we can see her back in the services. Thank you for her, Jeff, and the family, and just pray, Lord, that you would uh, really bless them at this time. For Jean, that has requested prayer for her and her family, would you just touch them this morning, Lord, in whatever need they have? You are the great one, and you will answer our prayers. We just thank you, Lord, that... Um, uh, Sujin and David have been able to um, get their wedding together and we're just thinking as their plans go ahead, we think for the 18th of July, Lord, will you bless them? Will you use them as a couple? And as they unite, we will rejoice with them and we thank you. So for today, Lord, for all the technology and sometimes perhaps it doesn't go right, but we thank you that in all of this, our willingness and our time to be together will be blessed. Bless Nick, bless Paul as he speaks. Lord, just take over the whole service and bring glory to you. Because we ask it, Lord, 
in your name. Amen. Amen.
Um, I've got Mark down now. The reading comes from Acts chapter 12, um, starting at verse 11. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything that the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without even opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. And Galatians, in chapter 1, at verse 17, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia and later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. And God will the blessing of Read his word.
Paul. Hello, Paul. Yeah, I'm just unmuting myself. Well done. Paul is now going to bring us the first part of the next of John's uh, teaching program, which is the book of James. I will say nothing else and leave it all to Paul. Okay. Uh, just before I start, I'm sure Nick could do it at the end, but uh, I just want to thank the Kim family uh, for all the talents and uh, help that they've given in getting this ready, because it couldn't have happened without them. So uh, thanks, guys. It's really appreciated. So over the next couple of months, we'll be looking at the book of James, and particularly its relevance to us as the church today and what we can learn from it. Today, I want to give a little background information on what James is, who he is, when and why he wrote his letter, and who he wrote it to. And then over the coming weeks, various people will look more closely at its content and its relevance to us, as well as the church then. First, the numeric facts, as our John would say, I'm sure you don't want to miss out on them. Uh, the book of James is ranked 45 of the 66 books of the Bible by size, with some 1,742 words. It has five chapters and 108 verses and makes up 0.35% of all Bible verses. James is widely regarded as being written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. You may recall that whilst Jesus was alive and going about his ministry, neither James nor his other half-brothers didn't understand yet or believe in what he was doing and saying. We read in John 7 verses 4 and 5, No one can see what you're doing here in the backwoods of Galilee. How do you expect to be successful and famous if you do all these things in secret? Now is your time. Go to Jerusalem. Come out of hiding and show the world who you are. His brothers were pushing him, even though they didn't yet believe in him as the saviour. That comes from the Passion Translation. The NIV puts it slightly differently. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. But even his own brothers did not believe in him. They, as many others, saw Jesus as wanting power and authority in this world, not as the Saviour, the Messiah. And it was only after James, as Paul before him, had seen Jesus' resurrected body that he understood and believed. We read in 1 Corinthians 15:7. Then he, the resurrected Jesus, appeared to James, then to all the apostles. From then on, James uh, goes on to become one of the leaders of the Christian church in Jerusalem. Indeed, Peter asks that James be one of the first to be told after his, that's Peter's, miraculous escape from prison, as recorded in Acts 12. The Apostle Paul also recognises, <coughs> excuse me, also recognises James 
as one of the pillars of the church, alongside Peter and John in Galatians chapter 2 verse 9. James therefore has become one of the influential and respected leaders of the Christian church. So why has he decided to write this letter? Well that is what it is. And why has he written it in this way? And to whom has he written it? Well firstly I think we need to look at Acts 7 where we read the account of the stoning of Stephen as the first Christian martyr. An act that was witnessed, as we know, by Saul of Tarsus, later to become the Apostle Paul. Following Stephen's stoning, we are told at the start of Acts 8, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. And they were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. This had a twofold effect at least. Firstly, it spread the gospel news. We're told in Acts 8 verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And we follow the stories of Philip in Samaria as he spread the gospel in the following chapters of Acts. Secondly, I believe it separated the believers from direct contact with their God appointed leaders. I've had a recurring thought as I've been preparing this which hasn't gone away so I'll share it with you as I was taught to do when I was in my training. Recurring thoughts that don't disappear. It's this. Is there not a similarity between how the believers in James time were separated from direct contact with their trusted leaders and how we as churches have been separated from contact with our trusted leaders by the lockdown caused by COVID-19. Different circumstances I know, but the end result is the same, a separation. A further thought, if that is true, and I believe it is, then shouldn't what James wrote to the separated church members then have relevance for us today. As the church was separated from each other in different places, I'll give you, they were a bit further apart than we are. But the challenges and thoughts that James shared with them in his letter to build them up and encourage them to live out their lives for Jesus, I would suggest, are just as relevant for us today as we start to think about the future of the church post-COVID-19 and how we will move forward making the church today relevant to ourselves and to those around us who don't yet know Christ as their saviour. Over the coming weeks, we will hear about how James brings that message to the scattered congregation of the Jerusalem Christian Church, the relevance of it for them in their situation and showing us how it is also relevant for us as we start to move forward again and look for ways to show people outside of the church by our lifestyles and by our actions that the Christian church is as relevant today as it always has been over the years and that it has something for them that will transform their lives as they find Christ and live out their faith in the practical ways that James talks about. 
shortly, I shall be encouraging you to read James from start to finish in one go to get the overall sense of what he is saying. May I also encourage you to think about the relevance of what he is saying in your own Christian walk and how you can convey that to the people around you as they are looking more closely during this pandemic at what life is all about. And more and more, we are told, are looking to the church for answers. Our John and other church leaders could have said, that's it, church is closed, can't do anything about it, see you all when the lockdown is over. In between, fend for yourselves. We know, of course, that that isn't what happened. John and other leaders have spent hours and days learning new skills and new ways of doing church, as Nick has discovered. To make sure that he and we keep in touch with each other, to encourage one another and to continue to learn more of the truth of God's word. And can I just say here what a brilliant job John and Jill and all those who agree to help them week by week are doing in making life and church happen. So why did James decide to write this letter at this time and to whom did he write it? There's a big clue in James 1 verse 1 which is as far as John has asked me to go as others over the coming weeks will be telling us about some of the exciting and challenging things that James has to say and their relevance to us as well as the church then. James 1.1 says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. So James firstly identifies who he is. They will know that he is James, a leader of the Jerusalem church, probably because whoever delivers it by hand to them will tell them. No emails, Facebook or things like that then, hand delivery only. And also the content of the letter will quickly show them as well. He then goes on to explain who he is. Rather, what he is, sorry. A servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. No suggestion of the letter being his thoughts alone on what they need to do but a recognition that he believes what he is writing is inspired by God and by Jesus Christ. And as a servant of the Most High, he is faithfully setting out before them what he believes God would have him say. Who is he writing it to? To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. There is pretty much universal agreement between scholars that this is the Christian believers of the 12 tribes of Israel who were scattered, as we were told in Acts 8, from Jerusalem to other nations. And this is important for two reasons. It shows that James is writing to a Jewish audience, which explains some of the ways in which he addresses them. Secondly, it helps us to date the letter. Most scholars believe that it is one of the first New Testament letters, books written and that because there is no mention of the Jerusalem Council recorded in Acts 15, which took place in AD 49, where the leaders confirmed the decision to take the gospel to the Gentiles, a huge change for the church 
and one James would almost certainly have mentioned in a letter to fellow Christian Jews. We can date it using that information somewhere between AD 45 and AD 48. In the letter, James encourages and challenges the Jewish Christians about their faith and their lives, as he is not able to be there with them to give them the encouragement personally. It's similar to how John and others have been encouraging us week by week over Zoom and with phone calls and safe distancing meetings more recently during this lockdown period so that they and we know that they and we haven't been forgotten or abandoned and that we're still loved, prayed for and thought about constantly. I think that's hugely important at this time. Finally, can I encourage you to read the whole of James through before next week? when we start to look more in depth at its content, as I said earlier, and its relevance to us today. It's only five chapters and should only take about half an hour or so. Just think, if you received a letter from someone you cared about and respected, you wouldn't just read a sentence or two and put it aside for later, would you? You'd want to hear what they had to say and how they were going to encourage you. Then perhaps look at it in more depth section by section later, as we will be over the coming weeks through various people. So let me encourage you in closing to imagine that James has written to you personally and you have been waiting for his letter with eagerness and anticipation of what he has to say and there's a knock on the door and the letter arrives and you break the seal and there it is before you don't you want to read and digest everything he has to say in one go of course you do go ahead and pick some time in the coming week when you have half an hour or so to spare and read it through from start to finish and then wait in anticipation for the truths that will be picked from it over the coming weeks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. I, I'm just like to add one little minute to, to what Paul said there. Um, we've all been on mountains or hills, and you've looked down at, say, a lake or a town or a village, and you've seen it from that mountaintop. And then as you, as you look around, there's other mountaintops, and you can look down from other mountaintops at the same view, the same village, the same town, and it looks very different. Now, I sometimes think is the Bible like that, looking at God's truths, and each of the books or parts of the Bible are a mountaintop that you can go up to look down at. So you've got the Paulian mountain range, where you can climb up the Paulian mountain range and as you look down from each of the uh, peaks that Paul wrote you know it's coming from Paul and then there's the Gospels there's the, the three mountains of the Synoptic Gospels 
and John that stands alone. And then there's um, parts of the Old Testament. Well, the book of James, the epistle of James, is, is a mountain top that stands alone. It's unique amongst the other epistles. And for that reason, historically, there has actually been attempts to take it out of the Bible because it says things that challenges you. So I'll just leave you with that thought that it is a really unique epistle that has a unique view of what God is teaching us. And, and for that reason, one of my favorites, I know all ours are favorites, but it's the book of James, uh, the epistle of James, to me, says something that others don't. So I'll just leave that with you. It's a wonderful, wonderful um, epistle. Right, we have another song. So I'll, I'm sure I can find it. Because I'm getting better at this, I think. Or am I? Oops. Oops. I don't know if you can still hear me. One, two, three. Come set around me in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. On there, why will wait? Come set our hearts ablaze. Pathway in our very soul. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. 
I'm just going to close in prayer now. Nick has just asked me, and I would like to thank everybody that supported, including those that have been present, even if it is just on the screen, because that's what's made it this morning. But I've really enjoyed everything that's been said and done, and I can see some extra visitors over there, which is lovely. And great to see Kath as well. And, and, uh, and I'm just going to, I want to read these two scriptures because they are prayers in themselves. One is John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. And two Thessalonians. May the Lord of peace himself always give you his peace. No matter what happens, the Lord be with you all. Amen. Amen. And have a great week. So if you uh, want 